All right, we'll be in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 really is amazing the uh, destruction that the tornadoes made uh, in western Kentucky. And I hope that we're praying for them regularly. And, um, I, you know, I woke up Saturday to a text message from my mother-in-law because my wife was not answering her phone. She was sleeping. And uh, she said, are you guys okay? I saw all the stuff with the tornadoes. And I said, pretty sure everything's fine. And uh, didn't know anything at that time. You know, we had the thunderstorms. Actually, where we live, uh, we didn't have anything but thunderstorms. We drove down into Richmond uh, later on Saturday and there's some trees down and stuff like that. But where we live, it's we, we get this nice little alley that everything goes either north or south of us. But um, started going through social media and seeing stuff, seeing that the governor had said some things and started looking more into it. Then I saw the footage, uh, drone footage in May, Maysfield and um, was just in shock. And then other places, Bowling Green and other towns in that area, uh, Western Kentucky that just got annihilated. Um, it's, it's crazy uh, to see an entire town demolished. And the town that we lived in in Indiana had a similar situation years before we were there. Um, but everybody talked about it because it was quite the ordeal. And um, to go through that, it's not easy. So let's continue to pray for people. Um, and like I said earlier, there are churches that were destroyed as well. Obviously, the entire town was destroyed. So um, a lot of rebuilding here to do emotionally, physically. Um, materially, spiritually, uh, all that stuff. So let's make sure that we continue to be praying for them uh, there. Uh, we've got two more sermons, this one and one more here in Philippians 4. We'll do the, uh, the last one um, the Sunday after Christmas. But, uh, and we'll conclude the Philippians the Sunday after Christmas. Then we've got the uh, um, first Sunday of the year. I think it's on the first this year, right? Or is it the second? Second. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll do a, uh, a New Year's sermon then, and then the ninth will be our Vision Sunday. And I forgot to say that earlier, but it's important that everybody's here for that. It's a very important Sunday, um, and, uh, and I beg you to be here on January the 9th, um, if at all physically possible. Uh, today I want us to look at Philippians 4. There's so many good things in these verses. Uh, we're going to look at the first nine verses in Philippians 4. Uh, and we've titled the sermon, Think on These Things. But let's start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, and stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved, I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, uh, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Again, the end of verse 8 says, Think on these things, the things which ye have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the result will be the God of peace shall be with you. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. God, I pray, uh, I love these verses, and I think there's so much um, good, uh, helpful things here. And God, I, I just pray that today the thoughts that you've given me and the thoughts that you'll add, I pray that they will um, be, be perfect for today. And God, I pray that you would help me to present the verses correctly. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would take away our distractions, that you would take away our tiredness. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see what you'd have for us today. So help us, I do pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here in Philippians chapter 4, we see a a number of things, but I kind of want us to focus in on three things this morning. Number one, I want us to see a conflict that needed to be resolved. A conflict that needed to be resolved. Remember, Philippians is a letter to a church. And uh, I find it interesting that in this letter, he calls out some people. He doesn't give us a lot of details about it, but he does. He names two people uh, in particular here in verse number two. He says, I beseech Yodius, Yodius, uh, however you want to say that, and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. We don't know much about these Uh, these two individuals but what we do know is there was some sort of conflict and it needed to be resolved Uh, I believe that these are two ladies as it says there in verse 3 and I entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women uh, which labored with me Uh, we see that they are members in the church we see that they have uh, served they have labored they have worked But for whatever reason, there was a problem, but we don't know what the problem is. But what we do know is the solution, the solution to the conflict. It says that they be of the same mind in the Lord. It's a great reminder for us uh, here of the importance of where our mind is at in service to God. These two people had a conflict. And what uh, what the the advice or the, uh, the request, the command, whatever you want to call it, is, is not that Syntyche agree with Yodius or that Yodius agree with Syntyche, it's that they be of the same mind in the Lord. It's not this person is right and this person is wrong. It's not that both of them are wrong, although they are. Uh, It is that they are not of the same mind in the Lord, and so it's caused a conflict. Yodius can still have her thoughts and opinions uh, and mindset or whatever. And Syntyche can still have her thoughts and opinions, but they need to come together in the Lord and be of the same mind. Because they have served, because they have been faithful, because they have uh, helped in the ministry, we need to come together in the mind of the Lord. Back in Philippians chapter 2, in a passage as we've already looked at, but starting in verse number 5, it says, "...let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." And if you remember, that mind of Christ Jesus was centered around humility. Everything about God, and specifically God in flesh, Jesus, was humble. Everything about Him. 
Now, the Bible tells us here in Philippians 2, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men, and found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so Christ here, the mind of Christ is humility, which sets aside a lot of myself. It lowers myself. I am always, I am always in my own mind, top of the list. Uh, like everything I do, it's to take care of me. You know, why did I marry Katie? Well, because I didn't want an ugly woman on my arm. Well, <laughs> that's not the only reason, but that was a big reason. Uh, right? So it was, it was to build me up because I would walk into a room for the first time with Katie, my girlfriend, and introduce family or friends or other people. This is Katie. She's my girlfriend. And they would all take me aside and say, she is beautiful. And I say, well, I mean, I rub off on her a little bit, but I mean, uh, why do I do the things that I do? I do them for myself because in my book, I'm way up there on the list. So God says you need to, to be the mind of Christ, which means you're, you're up here on your list. You need to bring yourself down. You need to lower yourself. God, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. I know I say those terms a lot. He came down and he became a person. He was born of, in a family that was not kings. They were in the lineage of a king. They were not kings, simple, average people. It's so intriguing to me the way that it worked out where he was, uh, and I don't know that we always get the Christmas story perfectly on, on, on spot with how everything worked out, but there was no room in the inn. And so, typically, when they ran out of room in the inn, they, they would move, let people stay uh, in the, the stable area as well. And, uh, you know, we're so spoiled today that we go, that is disgusting. But it was guarded from the wind. It, was, there was, it wasn't as bad as... It, it wasn't great, don't get me wrong. But Jesus was born not only into an average family, or maybe even below average family to some degree. He was born... In a, in a stable, in, in a place where animals were kept on a regular basis. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, rags. And that's humble from the get-go. He's, he's setting it up as an example for us. Now, we can't choose how we're born, right? We can't choose what family we're born into. He could. And in choosing, he chose the family that he chose. In choosing, he chose the place that he chose. And it wasn't spur of the moment, right? It had been prophesied for years. And so he shows us, even in his birth, the humility, but even more so throughout his life as he wondered. Uh, he knew where he was going, but he didn't have a place, a regular residence as he started his ministry. And the people that he hung out with were just some weird people. A wide variety of people, fishermen, uh, who probably weren't the, uh, you know, the cleanest of people, 
tax collector who wasn't well-loved in the community more than likely. Uh, these other men who, you know, they were humble in following Christ. Why? Because Christ was humble in leading them. And he's our example. And so the Bible tells us that the mind of Christ is a humble mind. And so when we look in Philippians chapter 4 and there's a conflict that needs to be resolved, he says they need to be of the same mind in the Lord, which means what? They need to humble themselves. I've spent my entire life in church. Now, I haven't been an adult my entire life, obviously. Um, so I didn't always know the conflicts that were going on. It's not hard to know when there's conflict going on at church, even as a kid. You know there are people who like certain people and don't like other people, or like certain people more than they like other people. Um, there's always weird people in churches. Um, we had this guy in the church I grew up in. Uh, he, he led music for a while. Um, and he taught Sunday school for a while in the, in the auditorium class. We had a number of different classes, but um, my parents were not fans of his. And there was good reason to not be fans of his, but uh, nonetheless, they weren't. But you know what? They never caused a stir. Now, I knew about it because we were in the car, and there was, I just remember one day, uh, I always thought he was weird, so I, I wasn't a big fan of myself, but uh, I remember one day in the car, there was a conversation, and I know you have to be careful as adults with kids in the car talking, but uh, about something that was said in Sunday school, and it was just, it shouldn't have been said in Sunday school. And they weren't even in his class, but it got around the church really fast. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? Um, as he was teaching Sunday school, it was nuts. But anyways, um, there, there's always conflict. Where there's people, there's conflict. You know the phrase, more, pe- more money, more problems, more people, more problems. Uh, I've talked with many pastors who have, uh, who have belabored the fact of how jealous they are of, of us being a small church. And there's problems in small churches, but there's problems in every church. And the larger you get, the more people you have, the more issues you have. And, uh, and in a small church, depending on the people, you can have major issues as well. But there's conflict, right? So there's a conflict in this church in Philippi, and the result, we don't know the reason, what the conflict is. Uh, it could have been good motives. It could have been a disagreements about something done in the church. It could have been personal. It could have been all kinds of different things. We don't know what the problem was. We know what the solution was. The solution is... Be of the same mind in Christ. Humble yourselves. Come back to the same purpose. Focus on the main things. Focus on what's important. And get along. But not only did he tell them the solution of their problem, he also told others to be a help to them in resolving this conflict. In verse number 3, he says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, someone who's working with me, someone who's an encourager, someone who's carrying the rope, someone who is uh, there serving with me, I entreat you, help these women. Help in the conflict. He says, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with others, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. They are saved. They are church members. They are loved by God. Help them. One of the questions on our spiritual gifts test that we did in Sunday school this morning was something to the effect, and now I'm forgetting what it said, uh, but something to the effect of um, conflict and whether you like to stay away from it or, or try to help resolve it, whatever it was, something like that. Um, I've never been great with conflict. I like a good argument, don't get me wrong. If I know I'm right, 
I, I like a good argument. Um, but uh, when other people are having conflict, I'm kind of like, hey, man, that ain't my problem. That ain't it. I just, you know, I got enough in my life. I don't, I don't need that. As a pastor, though, there are times within a church, I try to let adults be adults. And I like to think that you will solve your own issues, conflicts, and things like that. But if there's a time where I need to step in and have a word and encourage, encourage you to, to do something, handle something, whatever it may be. I've had people come to me before and say, so-and-so says this. I've said, okay, have you talked to them? Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to be the middleman. <laughs> you know, go ahead. You, you're, you're, you're big kids. Pull up your britches and let's go do it. Let's get taken care of. Let's, let's solve the problem. Let's, let's handle it. I know other people who, you know, the way they handle conflict is they humble themselves and they just say, it's not that big a deal. I'll walk away. And they go on. They forgive in their own heart and go on with life. And there's nothing wrong with it. I know other people who hold grudges forever. And the people who they hold grudges against have no idea that they're holding grudges against them. And they leave churches and they um, are angry at people. And anytime they see a picture of that person, they just, their face scrunches up. And, and they just, it causes them issues for years and years and years because they never handle the conflict. You see, the Bible here says that in this church there was two ladies who had a conflict. The solution to the conflict was that those two ladies be of the same mind in Christ. And he encourages others, hey, help out. Um, in, in the church I pastored in Indiana, we had family conflicts. Uh, people, there are a lot of related people in the church. And, uh, and I said it before, and it wasn't a joke. You'd know when they were having an issue because they used to sit either by or behind each other. And the next thing you know, they were on opposite sides of the church. It's just like, oh my goodness. And I you remember I was young, first pastorate. I was 26 when I got voted in, quickly turned 27. So I was 27, 28, 29 as the pastor there. And even then I would roll my eyes and be like, this is so childish. It was, it was usually over either a comment made or an invite that wasn't given. Um, you know, something silly. Oh, I heard you had so-and-so over to your house. Why didn't we get invited? Those kinds of things. So what are we going to do? We're going to prove a point. We're going to sit on the opposite side of the church. <laughs> Listen, if you've got someone in the church that you're having a conflict with, you all need to be in the same mind in the Lord. Maybe you have a conflict with me. That's very, very possible. I realized I'm not as easy to get along with as I thought I was. We need to be in the same mind of the Lord. Maybe we need to talk about it. Maybe I've offended you. And I'm trying to do a better job at apologizing in those situations as opposed to saying, that's stupid. Um, we need to be in the same mind. We want our church to be successful. And by successful, I mean we want God to use it. In order for that to happen, we can't have the conflicts within the church. We have to be of the same mind in the Lord. And we've got to help each other to do that as well. So we see, number one, this morning, a conflict that needed to be resolved. Number two, we see a joy that needed focused. A joy that needed focus. Look in verse number four. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Verse number five says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. And the Lord is at hand. 
Be careful for nothing. Worry. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which I always uh, associate peace and joy together. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's what I do. If I'm at peace, I usually have joy. And if I have joy, I'm usually at peace. But the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A joy that needed focus. This church had, uh, if, if, if the church knew about the conflict with these two ladies, which I'm assuming they did, there probably wasn't this just overall happiness about the church. Not to say that people were grumpy and pouting and things like that, but when you have conflict in the church, it casts a shadow over the church. We've had it in this church. Not in this building that I know of, but we've had it in this church. And just when there's people, certain people around you, just kind of, you just, it takes away the joy. And the reason why that is is because our joy isn't focused where it's supposed to be. I have found that no matter how annoying, mean, um, bitter people are, I can still find joy. You see, as a pastor, there are certain, we all carry certain load, bear, bear certain loads, and I get that. I'm not saying that you don't. As a pastor, there are certain emotional and spiritual burdens that can really just sap the joy right out of pastoring. I mean, when people, and you know, if I had this conversation, I think with all of you, I'm not, we don't do petty here. I'm just not, I'm not for it. We're just not going to do it. Um, you know, if someone says, I don't like the color of the walls, I really don't care. <laughs> Go somewhere else. I, I don't care. I don't need that here. That's not, we're not here for that. And there are things because early on in my ministry, I would allow people's unhappiness to affect my happiness. Now, there were times where there was something that I was involved in that I needed to help with, that I needed whatever. And there are times when I'm not involved that I still need to help and, and whatnot from there. But at the end of the day, I've, I would allow other people's lack of joy to affect my joy. And I'd come into church and, man, I'd just be, you know, just head down. You know, this is just annoying, petty, whatever. And it affected me. But it's because my joy was focused on, are, are other people happy? You can't keep people happy. I don't know if you've met yourself, uh, but you can't keep people happy. Someone's always going to be a little uh, less happy than someone else. Now, I'm not talking about, you remember the Overtons that we support in India? Tori, the wife. I've never met a happier person in my life. I mean, bubbly, loud, not in a bad way. Bubbly, loud, uh, happy, it seems like all the time. And I've known Tori for a very long time. She's always been that way. That's not me. I'm not gonna, you're not going to see that from me. Very rarely are you going to see me as bubbly and happy as Tori was. And it is. But you see, I can still be happy. I can still have my own joy. But when we focus on other people in the sense that uh, I've got to make them happy, and if they're not happy, then I'm not happy, you know, as a spouse, if your spouse isn't happy, typically you're not happy. Um, usually because there's a reason. Uh, but nonetheless, 
what I had to do was learn is where is my joy focused? If I'm coming to church for the purpose, specifically me individually, if I'm coming to the church for the purpose of serving God, worshiping God, preaching the message that God has given me, um, trying to help people with God's Word, and put all my joy focused on God, I can have joy. It says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Listen, I'm happy when we have visitors. I'm happy when our members are here. There is nothing that you can do more in a church to encourage your pastor than show up. And I mean that. You know, if you don't bring food for lunch, if you don't uh, uh, serve in any way, all those sorts of things. Just being here is the thing you can do the most to encourage your pastor. And I think encourage one another, too. You can't encourage someone if you're not there. But... Our focus should be focused on the Lord. Our joy should come from God, not from other people. I shouldn't need someone else to pat me on the back to bring me joy. It's encouraging. It's helpful. Yeah, that, that does bring me joy. But my joy should be focused on God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Because I can always find joy in God. I can't always find joy in James. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, women should be silent in the church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the following week we're doing a series on marriage um, the, I, I, can't, I can't always find joy uh, in Kim I, I, I can't most of the time sure she is from Louisville I can always find joy in God and so the joy has to be focused. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I love that verse. Why? Because it's true. If I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. Are you discouraged? Are you depressed? Well, when's the last time you delighted in the Lord? I'm so discouraged because I don't have this or I need this or I'm feeling this or this is hard or whatever it may be and I just can't find my way out of it. I feel like I'm walking through mud. Well, the Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord and He'll give thee the desires of thy heart. You desire to get out of the mud? But the problem is that we spend so much time focusing on ourselves and our situations, and our surroundings, as opposed to God. And we don't focus our joy, we don't rejoice in the Lord, we don't delight in the Lord, and so therefore the desires of our heart are not being met. I've been discouraged, and I've come to church, and I've left feeling better. I don't know about you, but I've done that before. And I've met a lot of people who've come to church and they'll say after the service, Pastor, man, I was going through some stuff this week. It's been a rough week, but I'm telling you today was helpful. Why? Because God's Word's preached. And if we'll listen to it and bring it into our life, next thing you know, we've got God in our heart. Not just 
I'm not talking about salvation, God, in our heart, but God truly on our mind. And all of a sudden, for at least a few minutes in our day, we have our mind focused on God. And what does it do? It brings some joy. It brings some relief. Sometimes we spend all of our time complaining over life. We forget to rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 94, 19, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Psalm 104, 34, My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. When God's on your mind, it's hard to be discouraged. The book of Psalms, and we're going through it on Wednesday nights, but the book of Psalms is full of a psalmist who'd gone through some really dark times. Whether it's because of his own sin, whether it's because of people who were against him, whether it's because of family conflict, whatever it may be, physical health issues, all sorts of things. And the psalmist is, uh, gives us, and God through inspiration, gives us the psalms where we see delighting in God. And when the mind was on God, the joy was restored. When the heart was in God, on God, the joy was restored. You see it as a focusing of the joy. It's also good to know uh, with the joy that needs focused is that not everything is extreme. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation, mild manner, gentle, patient. We don't have to be dramatic. There is as much drama in churches today, and I'm thankful our church is not full of drama, but there is as much drama in churches today as there is anywhere. Everything's extreme. Anything that is said that hurts somebody, boy, it was the worst thing in the world. Any look that was given, boy, it was the worst thing in the world. I had a rule when we took our, our kids to camp when our, in our church in Indiana. And it was a rule with the leaders, not with the kids. No drama. With some dramatic people. Oh, Billy hurt his knee today. And he had to get bandaged up. And, and uh, he might die. Go see Billy. He's got a band-aid on his knee and he's running around playing with everybody else. We should probably call his mom. Now. No, we don't need that. <laughs> Drama's not needed. Moderation. Moderation with each other. Moderation with life circumstances and situations. There's no need to be dramatic. Look in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Go to God with it. There's no need to be dramatic. Take it to God. Oh, life. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, coworkers, bosses, parents, spouses, siblings, neighbors, church people. Oh, my goodness. When we talk about this verse, be careful for nothing, we, we immediately go to worry, and it, uh, that's understandable. Don't fret, don't stress, don't worry over things, take it to God. But at the same time, don't be dramatic about things, take it to God. Got a conflict? Take it to God. Let your moderation be known. Your, your mild manner, non-dramatic, patient, gentleness. Let it be known unto all people. 
The Lord is at hand. He's coming back. Why waste your time with that? Verse 7, the only way to find supernatural peace is having your joy focused. It says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that in verse 2 he says, Have the same mind in the Lord. In verse 9 he says, If you do these things, you'll have the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, and it shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You don't have peace. You don't have joy. You're not trusting God. It's a blunt statement, but it's true. I've learned the older that I've gotten, the more that I've read the Bible. It is the simplest of truths. Scripture gives us over and over and over again. There's, there, there are definitely deep things in Scripture that you have to learn and study and read and pray and, and God has to present it to you and those kinds of things. There are those things. But there are so many simple things like obeying God and letting Him take care of you. We talk about that all the time. But you don't have peace in your life, you're not trusting God. You say, well... I am, though I prayed, and, and I, I believe that God's going to answer. Well, but are, are you at peace? You know, when we're not at peace, we're supposed to pray about it. The Bible, we just talked about that in a verse earlier. Well, yeah, I prayed about it. Okay, were well, you at peace? Well, no, I'm still really kind of struggling with, with trust God. It says there in verse 6 that if we give it to God, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're not at peace, you're, you're, you're not trusting God the way you're supposed to. Do you have joy? If you don't have joy, your joy's not focused. You're not trusting God the way you're supposed to. It's amazing to me how simple that is, yet how often I ignore it. We see lastly, we see first of all, a conflict that needed resolved. Number two, a joy that needed focus. Number three, a mind that needed changed. A mind that needed change. It says there in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. It is a mind that needed to be changed, that needed to think on other things. I know people who have given up certain social media outlets, certain newspapers, certain news channels, because every time they read or listen or watch, they're just discouraged. And they understood, my mind needs something different than this. You see, when it comes to spiritual life, the Christian walk, living a life that is full of the joy of God, there are things that we need to think on. And if we'll think on those things, things that are listed here in verse 8, things that are true, 
and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, virtuous and praise. If we'll think on those things. It says in verse 9, in those things, we just talked about in verse 8, the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's he talking about? He's talking about biblical things. Where have you heard it? You heard it in preaching. Where have you learned it? You learned it in church or through Bible study. How did you receive it? You allowed God to speak and it got into your life. You've seen it through the example of other Christians. Do those things and the God of peace shall be with you. I've met people who are grumpy on purpose, but I've never met people who didn't want to be happy. And for the Christian, it's laid out so simply for us. Think on these things. Do these things. The Christian life is not all about rules and guidelines and checklists. But there are things within the Christian life that God simply says, do this and this will be the result. Put on the whole armor of God and you'll be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Do this, here's the result. Think on these things and do these things and the God of peace will be with you. There is no excuse for a Christian to not be happy. Yet, here we are. There's just no reason for it. You don't have to be bubbly. God has not given me the spiritual gift of bubbliness. But I should be happy. And if I'm not happy... The reality is, is I'm not obeying what God's told me to do. If I'm not at peace, the reality is I, I've not obeyed what God's told me to do. And if I don't have joy, the truth is I'm not obeying what God's told me to do. And I need my mind to change to the things of God. So much of your Daily struggles, daily discouragement, daily things can be helped by spending more time in your Bible. By listening to more Bible. We can't always have it in front of our face reading it. Most of us, not all of us, most of us could have it in our ear more than we do. Whether it be just the scripture being read to us uh, through a million different apps, um, or whether it be listening to Bible preaching, um, godly music, um, those sorts of things. My sister, uh, as, as unperfect as she is, um, years ago, she was out of college, and uh, I don't even know why she told me this, to be honest with you. We don't have a lot of spiritual conversations. Um, but she told me, she said, Vince, uh, she said, I stopped listening to this radio station, driving into work in the mornings, and I started listening to this CD. Music, it's music. But she went from one genre to Christian music. And she said, it has changed my day. She said, I'd get to work and I'd be grumpy and... Uh, kind of short with people and 
those sorts of things. So I started listening to to this music CD, and and now I'm just I'm, I'm happier. I'm a better person. The reason why is because it was a it was a change of mind. She was allowing herself to think about godly things instead of worldly things. Music is powerful. It's, it's emotional. It tugs at your heart. It tugs at your emotions. It can make you... That's why they play uh, loud, aggressive music before sporting events because um, they're trying to get pumped up and ready to go. It's why at funerals they play soft, quiet music. It's why at weddings, different parts of the wedding have a different tempo of music. It's because it plays with your emotions, good or bad. Fill your head, your mind, your heart with the things of God. If you don't have joy in your life, that's the best place to start. Start with prayer, but immediately go to filling yourself, whether it be Bible reading, listening to the Bible, listening to, to Bible preaching, or listening to godly music. It will change your life. I like to listen to different things on Sunday mornings when I drive in. Usually I have one kid with me. Sometimes I'm by myself. Sometimes I'll listen to some sports stuff depending on what was going on Saturday. Today we listen to Christmas music because it's December. Um, but there are days where I, I turn on a certain music and I'll drive into church purposefully listening because I know it's going to help my heart. And there are Sunday mornings, and I know you're no stranger to this, that I need that before church. And there are Monday mornings that I need it before work. There are days, honestly, every day that we need it. Change your mind. If you're a Christian, you should have joy. There's a conflict that needs to be resolved. If your joy isn't there, you need to focus it. And then we need to change our mind. It's about priorities. It's about dedication. It's about surrender. It's about commitment. God, I want my life to center around you. God, I want the peace that passeth understanding. What does that mean? It means people can't grasp. How in the world do you have that peace? It's from God. But you can't have that peace unless you're doing the things the Scriptures tell you to do. So it all comes back to obedience. Man, what a wonderful God we serve that in my miserable life, he says, you can have so much joy. Well, God, you know me better than anyone. You know why I shouldn't have joy. He says, yes, but if you'll not worry and think on those things, you'll place your mind and your heart on these things, you can have joy and you can have peace. You can be happy. I might not be a. I'm telling you, it's rare.
hopefully tonight around 10 30 11 o'clock after the Packer game there'll be one of those but typically it's just going to be a That's what I seek. And God tells me how I can get it. And you can too. And I hope that you will. God help us. Oh, God help us. We need it. Oh Lord, we all have times where we lack faith and obedience and focus. And God, we need you. And you promise us your presence. You say you'll never leave us or forsake us. And Lord, you never have. And God, you offer us this peace and this joy, this opportunity. And God, I pray that you'd help us to claim it. Help us to do it. Help us to be committed. I, I know I have missed so many opportunities in life to be joy-filled, to be at peace, because of my refusal to change my mind and my refusal to focus my joy, sometimes my refusal to solve conflict. So God, I pray that you'd help me to be in the same mind as you. I pray that you'd help us all to be so, that we can have and experience the joy and peace that you offer. God, thank you. Their heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you stand with me, please? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. The piano will play. The invitation is open. Are you joy-filled? Do you have joy? God spoke to you about an area in your life that maybe you've been worried over. You haven't gone to Him about. Would you, would you go to Him now? You can come to the front and kneel. Stay at your seat if you'd like. But Would you give it to God? Commit to Him that you will... Have the right mind, the mind of Christ. God can help. God can provide. We need more Christians who are joy-filled in their life. May God help us.